and welcome back to Watch Once Never Again, the podcast where we traumatize ourselves because we have problems, and so you don't have to. What's your name? I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, last I checked, it was Dax, though. And okay. yours? I'm Mary Beth. So we're here to talk about your movie this week, your choice of movie. And what is it? I have chose Patty Jenkins 20... Not 20. 2003. <laughs> 23. And 23. Patty Jenkins 2003 movie Monster, which is a re- fictional retelling of the story of serial killer Eileen Warnos. It sure is. It sure is. Also, I'd like to point out that Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman. Okay, I was looking at her name when the credits started rolling. I was like, Patty Jenkins. I know that name. And then I was like, Barry Jenkins. Moonlight. <laughs> I was like, that's not the same person. And then I was like, well, what if it is the same person? Lovely. <sighs> yeah, no, she directed um both Wonder Women. Wonder Women? Both Wonder Woman. <laughs> the Wonder both Women. Wonder Womans? Yeah, she directed both of them. So I think it is rather funny to me that she went from monster to Wonder Woman. But I've hey. never seen that. Is that is that shade or good? Um, I liked the first one, but it's it's mostly shade that <clears throat> she went from like these kind of indie-ish movies. Not even shade though, like indie-ish movies, like a giant blockbuster. I mean, good for her. Get that coin for real. She probably won Oscars for this one though, right? I I know that at least Charlize Theron won okay, an Oscar. Wait, let's just let's read the synopsis, I guess, before we start getting into it. KK. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Also guys, just like get the fuck ready for this. We'll talk we're talking about serial killers, so like just steal yourself for whatever we talk about. <laughs> I feel like that just goes for Every episode. Every episode. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> okay, well, I have the plot here. So, and this is from Wikipedia, again, because I'm not writing it, which I noticed last time. Did you write the um, synopsis for The Eyes of My Mother? No. Oh, I thought you did. No. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to, like, give you props. I, I'll just keep them. Yeah. <laughs> nope, I did not, because someone else wrote it for me, and it looks great, so. Yeah, well, anyway. I didn't check this one, so I'm going to commit myself to it and if it's bad oh well because we're professional (laughs) Uh, okay it says in 1989 after moving from michigan to daytona beach florida and on the verge of committing suicide street prostitute i already don't like that but Mm -hmm. street prostitute eileen warnos meets selby wall in a gay bar they just skip right to that. Although she, <laughs> although she is initially hostile and declares that she is not gay, Eileen talks to Selby while drinking beer. Selby <laughs> takes. T- I know. Why would you point that out? Um, so we're on a. We're it's painting a visual, painting a picture. Talks while drinking beer. Okay, Selby takes to Eileen almost immediately as she likes that she is very protective of her. Selby invites Eileen to spend the night with her. The two women return to the house where Selby is staying, temporarily exiled by her parents, following the accusation from another girl that Selby tried to kiss her. They later agree to meet at a roller skating rink, and they kiss for the first time. Eileen and Selby fall in love, but they have nowhere to go, so Selby goes back to her aunt's home. 
After being brutally raped and beaten by a client, Vincent Corey, Eileen kills him in self-defense and decides to quit prostitution. She confesses her actions to Selby, who has been who has been angry with her for her failure to support both of them. Eileen struggles to find legitimate work, but because of her lack of qualifications and criminal history, prospective employers reject her and we and are openly hostile. Uh, desperate for money, Eileen returns to prostitution. She robs and kills her Johns, each killed in a more brutal way than the last, as she is convinced that they are all trying to rape her. She spares one man out of p- pity when he admits he has never had sex with a prostitute. She also shows a predisposition to spare another man who, instead of exploiting her, offers help, but finds herself forced to shoot him after he spots her gun. Eileen uses the money she stole from her victims to support herself and Selby. However, Selby reads in the newspapers about the string of murders, and she begins to suspect that Eileen may have committed them. She confronts Eileen, who justifies her actions by claiming she had only been protecting herself. Selby returns to Ohio on a charter bus. The night of her arrest, Eileen is approached at the biker bar she frequents by two strangers, who, unbeknownst to her, are bounty hunters. Thomas, whom Eileen always referred to as the only friend she had, infers the men's intentions and offers to drive her off. Uh, Eileen declines, no longer trusting herself with the well-being of anyone dear to her. The two men eventually lure Eileen out of the bar, and she is promptly arrested by the police. Eileen speaks to Selby one last time while in jail. Selby reveals some incriminating information over the telephone, and Eileen realizes that the police are listening in. To protect Selby, Eileen admits that she committed the murders alone. During Eileen's trial, Selby testifies against her with Eileen's loving consent. Eileen is convicted of the murders and sentenced to death. On October 9, 2002, Eileen is executed by lethal injection. The end. The end. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is, do you think this movie is a sympathetic portrayal of Eileen Warnos? Eileen Warnos was a real serial killer. She did, in fact, kill seven men who were uh, seven men that were all Johns. She was a sex worker. She was. Well, okay. she she does say that she was violently raped by at least Vincent Corey. She said that she was raped by all seven of the men that she murdered. And then she changed her story and then she changed her story again. So there isn't, you know, no one actually really knows the truth of this, this scenario around the, the 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 rapes and the like all the assaults and the murders. So want to give some of that background first. When we talk about the movie, because I think there's some interesting liberties that the movie takes. Anyway. Yeah, yeah so, I, I think so, too. So do I think it's a sympathetic portrayal? Yeah. To some extent, yes, I do. Yeah. Because I think that most of the movie, like leading up, especially to the first murder, is dedicated to getting you to understand her childhood, which was in real life probably one of the worst childhoods you could ever have ever like they don't even go into like the details yeah, of her childhood tell you. like they talk like they have her voiceover talking mm. about like she was pregnant when she was 13 and she had to give the kid for adoption but like 
a lot of other really horrific things happened to her as a child. Yeah, and and it does it in like actually kind of how we were just talking before recording, like how we recount like things that happen in our lives and we just say it like casually to people and they're horrified, but we're like, oh, that's an event that happened. Yeah. That's kind of what it does like in the voiceover. Like, yeah. In the beginning, it explains a little bit, but then throughout the movie, it, she'll randomly say something like, yeah, I think it was about like this time because that's what, like, I think I was about 13 because the baby just went up for adoption and it's like out of nowhere and there's nothing, there's no other context given. It's just really sad and moving on. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that they don't even get into the worst parts of her childhood and we already feel bad for her, that kind of makes me feel like the movie, at least in the first part, is trying to get us like on her side. Yeah. At some point, it kind of takes a turn and you start to, I think, so with the first murder, just to kind of get into it like uh the first murder you're like he definitely deserved that if not worse is yes. it's like it's, a horrific rape scene that i forgot yeah and he himself like she finds a saw in the, his back seat and like he himself <clears throat> seems like a serial killer and in fact that man who she killed first was a convicted uh sexual offender yes in real life yeah then the second guy you're like, okay, so the second guy was, he was just like some random John, and he, I don't, I don't think he did anything to her, right? He was no. just weird. He was Yeah, the, like, all he did the, was just say, call me daddy. And she said, oh, you're a child molester. Yes. And in that scene, you, you can see her because she had just, uh, so, like, gone through the, uh, rape with Vincent Quarry in this in this next like scene with a John you see her it almost looks like she's dissociating a little bit like yeah so something that Vincent Quarry said was like you know suck at first or whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> to, put it, to just go into it I guess and then as soon as the next guy says that that's when you can see something like switch like in her eyes yes and it you could read it two ways you could either read it as she's dissociating and got triggered uh and, and and now really legitimately believes like she's in danger um and like believes it's gonna be like a repeat situation or um you could read it as she's preparing herself to kill this guy that she knows didn't actually do anything wrong you know yeah well okay so and like i I think it's a I thought about the dissociating too because there's a part where her and Selby are alone and they're about to get intimate and Selby touches Eileen's crotch and she and she and Eileen jumps and like moves away. Yeah. So I kind of read that as she's not even like remotely interested in sex after the trauma. Right. Which I think is a pretty like good nuanced portrayal of how people react after sexual assault and like mm -hmm. some people are just not having it like they don't want to be reminded of sex yeah and some people yeah they go and the like other obviously way. that's not the yeah exactly like everyone has their own kind of relationship with their sexuality especially after that kind of trauma and they show they kind of do a, it's a little bit 
more subtle, I guess. They don't like really address it. But between the part with Selby and the part where she's dissociating with the John, it does kind of paint that picture of this is a woman who has gone through trauma. And when she went, she's also gone through trauma with like with family members assaulting her. So like this woman has been. But they, treated, they don't touch on that. They the don't. Movie. They do not touch. They don't talk about at all the rape her when she was raped as a child. Um, so it's all focused on the events on this on screen. But still, like, she is a woman who has a lot of trauma. Yeah. And like in that scene, that's when you start to be like, OK, like maybe you could see and at least for a movie you know you yeah can be like okay maybe i see if she is triggered like i could see why she did that then the next scene is the innocent guy i believed who uh, i i believe who um has never been with a sex worker if anyone yes yeah and that's when you're like okay i will be totally against her at this point and yeah. then you know eventually it does get to that point it just kind of keeps going from there like um you know, uh, you know, less guilty John, less guilty John, you know? Well, and especially because with the guy, the second guy she kills, that it does kind of, you know, you think about the trauma, but you also, like, she, at the end, she's like, you're a child molester. Like, she justifies, she tries yes. to justify it yeah. with something that we know, like, daddy, calling, asking someone to call your daddy is not... Right. <laughs> you're not right. a child molester for saying that. So, it is, it it is definitely... Like, okay. Mm, I really... So- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I was just making noises. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just really wish that the movie did at least touch on, you know, what happened in real life with her grandfather and her grandfather's friends. You yes. know, how how he, he was assaulting her for years. Then he started getting his own friends involved. Um, then... And her, her grandmother, who... I I read that, like, she was kind to Eileen, but she, you know, kind of turned her cheek to the problem. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, she was involved with her own brother. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that the movie had at least touched on even just a little bit of that. So that in that scene with that second John where he's like, okay, you know, call me daddy or whatever. Um, we could have understood why that set her off so bad. Yeah, like, there's definitely, like, that context would have been, like, even more, like, okay, it's not correct, but there's, like, more of a contextual, like, thinking behind it, and it's a little bit more complicated than, like, she just killed him because she wanted his money, which is is what it evolves into, but in that moment. I didn't even put it together until you just, you know, brought all of that up. Yeah. That, like she she, i know i knew i did get that she was trying to justify it to herself but i forgot that in real life she was um like abused by you know numerous child molesters so if i had that context in the movie then then for sure i would have read her as dissociating rather than she's just trying to psych herself up to do this thing that she knows she shouldn't do. Because and that's what I feel like the film go like is it's it's trying to present like instead of just like a drop off decline there's like kind of like a it's like a little bit more of a slope than just like a complete okay now it's time to kill every man. Yeah. But 
regardless. I just so... Oh, so many things to talk about. Anyway, so that's what I'm just curious about the sympathy part, because I thought it definitely to me it is definitely a sympathetic portrayal and i know there's a lot of dis- the there's a lot of discussion mm-hmm. especially right now about making movies about serial killers and making them sympathetic play having attractive people play them which mm-hmm. is in this con- we will talk about in a moment <laughs> we <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we will absolutely will but like attractive people playing serial killers and glorifying serial killers and like with Monster, I just, I have a hard time figuring out where I land because Eileen Warnos, I was talking about this with Steve earlier about like serial killers and how a lot of serial killers are men. And these men like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, like they stalk and kill their victims, but like for sexual reasons or you know a very a a very deep mental illness Mm. and it's not always it's typically not for robbery it's for sexual release or control and then here eileen is a female serial killer she is she killed seven men so that is considered a serial killer but it's so different because she is killing them with the intent to rob them and she's using a gun a lot of serial killers don't use guns son of sam used a gun but it's like super rare yeah and she had such a specific motivation behind it and that's what makes her so interesting to me because like obviously she planned to kill them she had the gun and she wanted to rob them so it's just interesting because then you have the context behind her as being a sex worker living through a traumatic life where men treat her like shit all like in every way possible. And she's sexually abused. So, you know, at time, like this film to me oftentimes screams, like she's just a fucking angry person who sees men as pieces of trash and as ways to get money. And it doesn't matter if she kills them and like, okay, please don't cancel me y'all. But like, there's a little bit of me that sympathizes here. I know that we are not supposed to sympathize with serial killers. I 100% know she killed seven men. I know like that was terrible. She should not have murdered those people. But she also, in some contexts, you kind of feel bad because like. Well, yeah. Yes. So, uh, sorry. I don't, like, no, I don't want people I, to cancel me here. It's like I'm not trying to say that like those guys deserved it. And she definitely was right. Like, but come it's, on first. Uh, FBI profiled serial killer woman girl boss like you're not doing that yes queen yes queen (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Uh. absolutely not but she just has a very fucked up backstory as a lot of serial killers do and it's I think important to talk about that when talking about Eileen Warnos and understanding like the context of that I guess Yes. Uh, okay. So I think we should <laughs> and just Dax say said, I quit. <laughs> no, I, because I agree with you. And if if I if you get canceled, I get canceled. Um because I think that we all need to keep in mind we're talking about the movie which manipulates all movies manipulate you in some way. Yep. And this one manipulates you to sympathize with her. And 100%. Even, yeah, and like there are moments where you turn against her, but in the end you sympathize with her again because Selby sells her out, which we will talk about later. 
Well, and like a lot, they a lot of what they show with her is her like being caring to Selby and them falling in love. Like it almost feels like a rom- like a rom com, but like a romance film with some murder in it. Like it's like there, it's yeah. mostly it's a film about their relationship a lot too. Like it, their romance is kind of in the center and the reasons why. Like it's the usually it's the reason why Eileen kills because she wants money to take care of her. Right, exactly, and. Just, you know, we all need to keep in mind, like, (laughs) it's really hard to get into the nitty gritty and like just a podcast where we're talking off the top of our heads and like keep in mind like nuance and stuff. Yeah. Um, Please. But this is not mean I am like a stan of Eileen Warnos, I swear. (laughs) No, you're you're not saying like good for her, but you're a little (laughs) bit saying good for her. Like, Like and I get it. And I think most people probably feel that way. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's projection, but <laughs> all the people I know who I, I've talked about this with, like in life, um, they feel the same way. They're like, no, if I were in her shoes, I probably would have done the same thing, at least with the first guy. Yeah. You know? Well, maybe, yeah, exactly. And we, we can't know for sure if any of the other guys attacked her, but at the same time, it's like, People get people in sex work get attacked all the time. Now, many don't like I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's only violent. You know, I know that it's not. Um, I (laughs) some of my best friends are sex workers. Um, That was like a play on the (laughs) some of my friends are brown. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was just like, oh, yeah, you've got sex workers. No, I do. I do. I know know a lot of sex workers. That's why I want to make sure I'm not like, oh, they're like all struggling and like poor them. Because a lot of them are like, yeah, I chose it. But I know other ones who didn't choose it and they did it because they had to survive and they were attacked often. So it's not hard for me, a person who has interacted with, you know, several people who were like sex trafficked and things like that. Mm hmm. Um, it's not hard for me to believe that maybe she was attacked every time. But on the other hand, I also know that, you know, she could have felt she was being attacked and that could also not be true. You know? Nuance is everybody's best friend. Yeah. Everybody have some critical thinking skills. That's my that's my new song. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Yeah, I just I yes. I understand what you're saying and I agree. And we yeah. also have to keep in mind like in real life, you know, she did have very severe mental illness. Yes. And she changed her story a lot. So like it is like the movie portrays a, a like a like a series of events. That might. And it doesn't veer away from that narrative at all. No. So, you know, again, keep that in mind yeah. that this movie is definitely has... It has a, an agenda, which all movies do, but, like, the agenda of this one is to p- paint Eileen in a more sympathetic light. You know what this movie reminded me of? Hmm. A lot, now that I'm thinking about it. I, Tanya. <gasps> oh, interesting. Okay. I, Tanya, is the very same. In real life, like, if you just sat someone down and you were like, okay, 
Do you think one Olympian should just fucking sabotage another Olympian on their same team or whatever? And like break their kneecaps with a fucking yeah. baseball bat? You would say no. Like, no. Obviously. Literally no. Now if you watch, uh, you know, however long that movie is, pretty long, like two hour movie. And in that two hour movie, you see that she had a horrible, shitty life. She's an underdog. And this is her one shot, and all she has to do is break this girl's kneecaps. Also, <laughs> it's a movie. You'd be like, yeah, because it's a movie. Because it manipulates you. Because it happened in real life. <laughs> yes, queen, break those kneecaps. Yeah. Like, if it if it was a fictional movie... Okay. But, I okay, I know what you mean, because when it's fictional characters who, like, you know it's a film and it's an exaggeration and, like, because, like, you know, a lot of horror films and rape revenge films, I'm taking that as an example, like, you're like, yes, bitch, kill him, but it's a fantasy. They're enacting the fantasy and, like, you cheer for that kind of injury and death because it's, like, a cathartic experience for you to project upon because you want to see that and feel that and feel some kind of release and so these movies provide that release and you know it's not real and you don't want to do that yourself but it's a moment yes. where you can kind of give your give into that thing in a safe space in a safe comfortable way yeah that like primitive like you know in- yeah. intuition or urge or whatever yes exactly and when you're watching even a fictionalized movie like a fictionalized version of a real story it is easy to forget that it is a real story. Especially well, if it's a good movie like this one. Well, and it's hard to remember that because you know that they took artistic liberties and you know that they changed things to make it more yes. appealing. So that's even harder because you're like, uh, like obviously Eileen Warnos killed these men. Obviously Tanya Harding had her ex-husband or boyfriend break somebody's kneecaps. But the movie itself is fictionalized. So it's a weird line of like get that bitch and also fuck you yeah now (laughs) i think we should also real quick just say like um you know like the other side of that like i i didn't even say anything i just wanted i I wanted to see (laughs) i wanted to see if you could just read my mind like well are you talking about Never mind. No, I want. I want. I want to hear what you say. <laughs> no, you go first. I don't have a fully formed thought. Me neither. Apparently, I was just going to say, like, I'm not saying that I always agree with any time a female character does something bad. I'm not always going to be like, well, good for her. I'm not that person. I don't think you're that person. I don't think most people in the world are probably like that. Like, it. it I think we're going to talk about this exact topic. And and I think the reason why we're stumbling over our words is because we know we're going to talk about it with another certain movie. Do you know what I'm thinking? No. Midsummer. Oh. <laughs> like, you know how people... Good for hers! <laughs> well, that, well, that's what I was going to say. You know how that comes up every, like, two hours on Twitter? Like, someone will be like good for her and then another person like immediately after will be like i don't get why people support her i personally see it both ways and i think you are the same kind of person who will see it both ways where you can watch a movie and you're like yeah good for her 
Um, she, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, found a family, like killed her shitty boyfriend or whatever, because it's a movie. And then the other side of you, you're like, oh, that is wrong. Obviously, I don't support in real life. I would never support someone killing their ex for being shitty or, you know, um, joining a cult. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Fill in the blank again. Um, I think that's part of why we're like, oh, we're going to get canceled because we, you and I both, and I know this and I can speak for you, I guess, real quick, because we've <laughs> talked about it. We both see it both ways. Yeah. And that's a really big, I guess, issue with this movie, because it does lull you into, oh, Eileen, she had a terrible life, and, like, she got attacked, and now she's in love, and she just wants to keep her love, you know? Even though I don't approve of her choice of girlfriend uh, um in real life or in the movie yeah and before we move to that because i want to talk about selby i agree with you 100 percent. i think that's what makes these movies so fascinating to me is that it's yes. not black and gray or black and white jesus and thinking about tattoos <laughs> like it's not black and white like these are complicated stories of you know technically bad people but there's a story behind it there's reasoning behind it and it doesn't have to be reasoning that makes them innocent it's just reasoning that gives you more context and i keep saying context and nuance but like those are such important things to watching these movies and understanding yes. and i mean like you know there's obviously nuance to other stories like ted bundy but it's i feel like in my mind and maybe this is fucked up but the actions of Ted Bundy and stalking and killing women and torturing them and like having sex with their dead bodies versus Eileen Warner shooting men and stealing their money. It, it exists in separate, separate spheres of my brain in terms of atrocity. And again, that might sound fucked up. And if someone disagrees with me, please let me know. But they just, in my head, those kind like those two kinds of serial killers to me exist in very different spheres. Well, one is survival. And exactly, exactly. that's not. a good way to put it it's survival and, versus just like yeah, impulse even if it's not about survival as in she was being attacked by all of them it was survival as in she had no other way to survive than to rob people and she thought the best way to like get away with that was to kill them like yeah. am I Right? Like, that's kind of... Yeah, well, and that's interesting because, like, they show her going to interviews for office jobs and, uh, you know, they're really cruel to her. She is, you know, trying to get away from sex work and is interviewing office jobs and... But, like, for and positions, like, she, she has no business. Yeah, positions, she doesn't have a resume, she's not qualified for these positions and it's like, you feel for her because she's trying, like, you can see she's trying but everyone's like, ew. But then she yeah. immediately when she gets rejected from those, she thinks that she has to commit murder. And, you know, you could work at a restaurant. <laughs> you could work a different job. Like, there are lots of jobs that she could have tried to get. But she is a woman of extremes, as you see in the film. So she gets very anti-establishment after that very quickly. And that's where it goes to. Yeah. And I think that also, like... 
The movie doesn't touch on her mental illness at all, but in real life, she was diagnosed mm. with um, borderline personality disorder, which... Um, and I think antisocial personality disorder as well. Okay, yeah. I, see, I didn't even know that. But <laughs> Google uh, with my friend today. <laughs> um, I guess I should like just real quick say I am not like a psychologist. I am a psych major. That is very different. Um, but I believe borderline personality disorder um a big part of that is impulsivity and like um i want to say black and white thinking mm-hmm. um so it makes sense to me that um you know in her brain she's like well i can't be a secretary for a lawyer which girl you don't want to be i work for lawyers <laughs> um <laughs> um but that's like one of the jobs she goes to um, interview for. And the guy, the like partner or whatever is so rude to her. Um, but it makes sense to me that since she got rejected from that, she's like, well, the only other option is to just kill men and take money. Like, I'm we not also saying don't, we I also don't think it. everyone with borderline personality disorders. Murderer. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but um she obviously yeah some are some are <laughs> and she was one uh but yeah th- i'm not saying oh, i agree i'm just saying like uh that, that it, it had it, a, it was a factor that it was a factor yeah it makes sense that she would make that jump i'm not saying that the jump itself makes sense <laughs> right it's yeah. really hard we have to be so careful because and i do take a little bit of comfort in knowing that people who are going to listen to a podcast about disturbing movies on purpose, um, probably also appreciate gray areas. Yeah. Like how we do. But I just don't, I don't want people to think I'm like, Oh, (laughs) Eileen Bornos, she did nothing wrong. And I totally support her. I'm just saying in the context of a fucking movie, which is what we're here to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I agree with you. Well, and I also think that that portrayal of her going from those interviews to murder is it another way of sympathetically portraying her because it's like, look, this woman, you know, has had such a hard life and she's really trying, but she gets exp- she gets kind of like spit in the face, like spit yeah. in the face, like knocked down every time. Yeah, exactly. So you know that definitely felt a little bit like encouraging people to see, look, you know, she didn't have any other options. Which we know is not true. But, you know, I think that was definitely a big part of the emotion, kind of the emotional manipulation that happens in the movie. Yeah. So, should we talk about Selby? (laughs) I wish that we would. Okay. Well, let's talk about Selby then. Did we qualify what we were saying enough? (laughs) Do you think? I think we did. I think we did. And anyone who's listening, if we said something that was harmful or something that was incorrect that about any of this please let us know you can tweet at us dm us just let us know we just are trying to do the best we can here and you know we want to know if we fucked up so we can make it right and know and like learn going forward so you know please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you would like to about this also don't yell at me because i will not listen to you all right 
Just so Basically, you know. here's like a here's the basic thing. Eileen Warnos had borderline personality disorder and she killed some people. That does her having borderline personality disorder does not mean that everyone with borderline personality disorder is a murderer. I know no. quite a few people with borderline personality disorder and they are the farthest thing from murderers. But it's important to have that context with her because it, again, it gives context into like the situation. It's one factor in a huge scenario with lots of factors. So it is important to know that. But again, that is not to say that anyone with bipolar disorder is going to go off and kill seven men. Exactly. So, just let's just mark the last thirty-seven minutes, and we'll just cut it right out. <laughs> so, yes. Let's anyway. talk about Selby, please. I want to hear what you. I want to hear all your thoughts on everything, but especially about Selby. So, okay. Selby is played by Christina Ricci, mm. and so she is in this movie. Selby Wells is a fictionalized version of Eileen Warnos's girlfriend, Tyra Moore. Tyra Moore is known for being rather litigious and wants to kind of protect her identity and herself from being associated with this whole thing, which honestly, I get. You like don't want it to be a huge part of your life, but also, sorry about it. Um, but basically, Selby Wells is this young woman who is very timid and she's very sheltered. She is living with a friend of the family because she allegedly kissed a girl and her father did not accept that so that, you know, she obviously was in a very religious household and a very strict household. And she meets Eileen and they fall in love, blah, blah, blah. And they move in together, etc. I am very fascinated with the choice to make Selby, this sympathetic church going girl who was taken advantage of and turned yes. into a bad girl by Eileen. Absolutely. That is very strange that that is the like that's the route they took in terms of making someone look bad. Like Eileen isn't bad for killing the men. She's bad for corrupting Selby, which is what I got from the movie. Like that is kind of the vibe I got was that Selby was a victim because she was manipulated by Eileen. And like, yes. obviously, like we don't know the whole story from Tyra. She could have been manipulated, but it, the story with with Tyra actually was not that they met in a bar, and I, it wasn't that story at all. Like Selby's story is completely manufactured, so that's why it's like such a weird choice to make in this in this whole narrative. Yeah, does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. Um, because, like, her. Like Eileen's um, manipulation of Selby in the movie is part of why she's why it's titled Monster, I think. Mm -hmm. Especially when you consider that she has that little monologue for a second where she explains that Monster, like the monster that she remembers, is actually a, it, the name of a Ferris wheel. And then later on, you see them on the Ferris wheel. Yep. Um, I think that's kind of what that's highlighting there. Mm -hmm. I guess I just didn't get that vibe the first time I watched it, which has been a long time. So I think in revisiting it, I was like, oh, shit. I was also watching it when I was younger and had no like concept of these things. So <laughs> I just don't think uh, the movie didn't. I don't think this necessarily in real life based on the information I 
the limited information that I have, you know, um, like that I've come to understand over the years. But I also don't think this is true in the movie. I don't think that Eileen manipulated her at all. Like, I, if that's what the movie is trying Wait, to tell I'm sorry. me. You don't think Eileen manipulated who? Selby. Selby. Okay. I do not think that Eileen manipulated Selby in the movie. Oh, and interesting. Based on what I know, I don't necessarily think that Eileen manipulated Tyra Moore either. Allegedly, I don't know if I need to say that, but <laughs> yeah. But, um. So in the movie, the movie actually portrays Eileen to like not be gay at all, and yes. There are parts, like, for instance, when you talked about um, Selby trying to touch Eileen and she jumps, I actually read that as she does not want to sleep with her. And it could be both things. Like, obviously, she was attacked, but... Huh. Okay. I think he could go either way, because she also says something like, you know, I just haven't been feeling great lately. And that could be because she was fucking attacked with a tire iron, or it could be just a cover like she does not want to like actually have sex with this person. And okay, like the movie's like relatively sexless, I would say. So it's like I view. I don't think that she's in love with Selby. I think that Selby is the first person who was nice to her for free. Which, yeah, we'll get into that. Um. And that's why she loves her. Like, she just doesn't want to lose her friend. So, and I think that that's also people I know who have bipolar, not bipolar, I'm bipolar, borderline personality disorder is there is like a very intense attachment to people Mm. and very like very intense attachment to people and not wanting to let them go and getting upset. And again, like (laughs) the movie does not talk about borderline personality disorder specifically but well you know when you know about it you can kind of see it on screen but it it you know they should have addressed that but whatever but yeah so that just reminded me of one of the you know symptoms of borderline personality disorder but i i don't see selby as a victim pretty much at all in fact i i see selby and maybe this is like unpopular opinion but i see selby as a major like driving force like she because eileen was trying to get out of quote unquote hooking as she says (laughs) um and she was pretty dead set on never doing it again and selby is the one who was like no you need to make money right this second um and kind of push her back into it well and then you know selby has a cast on her arm but she can't work which I didn't understand. I was like, I've worked with shit like that before. Whatever. I know. I didn't get that at all. And then she doesn't work anymore. She doesn't try to work again. So you're right. Yeah. No, that makes sense that, you know, she was a driving. Like you said, like, she's like, why aren't you like hooking yeah. anymore? Like, I don't understand why you quit. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and and like- Eileen was like, it sucks. <laughs> she's like yeah, i like, don't really want to do it like you I, don't fucking do it yeah it's like i really don't want to do it anymore well and she's been a sex worker since she's like 15 years old I so think 13 oh 13 Oof. yeah but 
you know, she was just like, I want to do something different. And she had a reason to do something different, you know? Like, she yeah. has a, a person who cares about her and who she cares about. And she's like, oh, I can be a better person. Right. And Selby is the one who's like, uh, 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 no. And no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. But Selby had not one damn problem taking all that money. And she fucking knew where that shit was coming from. She knew well, where those cars were coming from. Exactly. And like in, in, and please, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Dax, Tyra Moore knew only about the first one? Allegedly. Or allegedly only knew about the first one. So that's like. But it's kind of speculated she, that like she knew. Exactly. Like, so Eileen only told her explicitly that she murdered one person. But like you said, Eileen was coming home with like mut- like stacks of money and different cars. And, you know, you can connect the dots. Yeah, unless but, but, you don't have a brain under your mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like her. And I thought Christina Ricci was a weird choice. But I, I think agree. that I think so. I think it, Christina Ricci was a, a choice generally because she is the most unbelievable lesbian probably of all time. <laughs> I can't think of a less unbelievable lesbian. Like if I tried. Well, and like if you look at like the picture of Tyra Moore, like obviously people don't like she's a different character. It's not really Tyra Moore, but right. Tyra Moore looks li- like nothing like that. Nothing, literally like she's nothing just, like that. You know, a little like a little bit um, like heavier set. She does have like a mullet, but other than that, other than that mullet, that's pretty much it. Christina Ricci is like dwarfed in every way. Yeah, and like. Tyra does not look like a small, meek person, which is what Christina Ricci portrays. Like, she looks like a woman who can hold her own. Yeah, and I think that even though I think Christina Ricci was a choice, I think it actually had to be someone like her, if not her, because, you know, Mm, she has those big big doe eyes, and you're just, you know, you're like, oh, poor Christina Ricci. And, um, you know, she doesn't know... Yeah, she looks looks so innocent and small, like physically small, next yeah. to Charlize Theron, who is the tallest person. I, I don't know in real life. I have to assume that she's pretty tall. I'm. Pr- I think she is pretty tall. Yeah, she looks very tall in this movie, especially next to Christina Ricci. And Christina Ricci is also wearing like the largest, like David Byrne looking like suit jacket ever. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this outfit? That you but again, never take off. But see, this is why I she looks like she's being manipulated to me because she looks so tiny and helpless. You know what I mean? Like that feels yeah. or that helplessness is luring Eileen in. You know, I guess it really does. It could it can be read either way. Like, yeah, I think that the movie yeah. is trying to make it seem like she is being manipulated. But I just personally don't buy it. Wait, this is really funny. I just read one of the facts on Bat Monster on IMDb, and they were like, why did Sylvia have a cast on her arm? And it was because Christina Ricci had actually broken her arm before production, so the director dry- had to add it to her character. Like, it doesn't make her not <laughs> able to work. Like, <laughs> I just was, I, I saw that, and I thought that was hysterical. That like, is, that's hilarious. Anyway. I want to know their heights. Oh, more. 5'1". Okay. 
Moore was red-haired, overweight. That's a weird thing to write about her. Worked as a carpenter and a brick mason. See? Oh, and like, Charlize Theron's 5'10". Ooh, she's my height. Ooh, we can kiss. Just a little peck on the lips. Ooh, and I hope you do. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Why was that the first thing I thought of when you said she was my height? Who doesn't? Who doesn't think that? Because I'm gay. But yeah, reading this, just saying how they, you know, Selby is completely different and more was obviously like a blue collar worker. And like she was 27 or 28 at the time of the murders. So that drastically different representation just alters the entire tone of the movie, the entire vibe, the entire thing. It is just completely thrown off. And it really does change how you see their relationship. And, you know, at the end of the day, Eileen Warnos did kill seven men, but it is just like the context is so weird here. Like why make a movie about Eileen Warnos? If you couldn't use the girlfriend. And I understand that Tyra Moore wants nothing to do with that kind of stuff. So, like, why would you do that? I mean, I know why. Money. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to. Feels like I, I wouldn't want to be involved in a movie that basically is saying, like, I had a hand in it. And it, I think that is, even though the movie is like, trying to make us believe that Selby is being manipulated. It is also at the same time showing us that Selby did play a part in it because, um, she probably knew like where all the stuff was coming from, but also the movie kind of villainizes her, um, for selling Eileen out. Yeah. You know? And if I was, if I were Tyra Moore, I wouldn't want to be involved with something like that either. No. Especially if that was the case in real life, which I don't know. It could have been. How do I know? I, but everything that you just said, like, um, kind of, you know, backs up my point where I'm like, I don't think you were manipulated, like you said. Yeah. You know? Huh. Nuance. Yeah, I don't I know. Think the, I think the tagline of this show should be nuance. It's important. Pretty much. I always wanted to bring up um, Charlize Theron's performance and the transformation yes. they did for her, which I know is like always brought up with this movie. But like a lot of the time in movies like this, the person that looks nothing like the subject. But Jesus Christ, they did a great job. Charlize Theron looking just like yeah. Eileen Warnos. Like it it's was actually, shocking. Like, upsetting. It's shocking. Yeah. It's like they got her hairstyle correct. She doesn't have eyebrows. Like her skin looks completely different. And Theron's performance is really convincing as well. Like she kind of embodies this kind of like the physicality of someone who wants to seem tough, but who also has obviously like a lot of vulnerability and someone who is basically, you know, trying to be strong and can, is, like, just barely keeping it together. Charlize Theron in this movie is so good. Yeah. It's, like, 
she won an Academy Award for it, which is great. And usually I get annoyed yeah. when people are like, oh, my God, they like totally transformed on screen. But like that this one, I feel like is deserving of that kind of discuss- like of that discussion because she fucking looked just like her. She looks and like acts like her to a point where it was like scary. OK, so I wa- OK, I watched an interview with Eileen Warnos, like an a- actual interview with her in a documentary. And they both do the thing where they flip their hair to yes. like make it push back. Like she really studied Eileen's movements and did them. It's wild. Like she, and she talks like her too. Like Warnos has a very like kind of frantic way of talking a little bit. And like, that's definitely what they're on got. So Jesus Christ is creepy. It's, 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 I, I, no words because, yeah, it's like, if you have never seen this movie before, like, if an alien came down right today, like, right this second, came down to the earth, and you had to show the alien, like, an example of, like, perfect acting in a movie, like, they didn't know what acting was, you would have to, like, show them something like this, right? Yes, I agree. It's next level. Like you're, you're not gonna see something like this like all the time. It's crazy. I think Charlize Theron is slightly underrated as a really good actress or an actor. Um, she's not under like everyone knows her and she's very hot, but I feel like she's in a lot of like kind of actiony, cheesy movies now, and I think she's underrated for like her super good dramatic performances i feel like i can't really think of many movies i've seen her in like obviously i've seen mad max fury road and she's fucking great in that oh no she was in tully and young adult and she was really good in those and like as a dramatic actor rather yeah, than I've never like, seen them okay either. i i misspoke everybody i apologize i revoked my previous statement tully, yeah, i've never seen either of them i haven't seen tully but young adult is sad and i know tully is also sad so I haven't made my I haven't gotten myself to watch it. Anyway. And she was in Atomic Blonde too, I remember. She was in fact the Atomic Blonde. Yes. Of course. <laughs> the titular Atomic Blonde. I was just about to say that. <laughs> and she's also gay in that movie. <gasps> I forgot. Yeah, she makes out with um the chick who plays the lead dancer in Climax. Uh, and by makes out I mean has sex with her. Yes. Oh my god, what is her name? Sophia. Sophia something. Something. If your name is Sophia something, can you please contact us to let us know what your last name is? Thank you. We don't have Google. I don't have 17 tabs open on my computer right now. No, and I definitely don't have a tab open about the song Crimson and Clover. Because, no. uh, just real quick, <laughs> when <laughs> when did Crimson and Clover become, like, the lesbian anthem of all time? Like, you know, it wasn't in this movie. Am I making that up? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you can, like, hear a hair toss in somebody's voice. It's I my favorite thing. for real just did that, too. <laughs> I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> it was like, I can tell that Dax is just, like, flipping yeah. his hair. As a person who, shall we say, was very immersed in lesbian culture growing up, <laughs> for some reason, every lesbian at least in the 2000s 
probably associates this song, Crimson and Clover, with lesbians. And I don't know why that is. I think it might be because of this movie. But I remember it also played in the L word. Like, oh. I have a, a very vivid memory of that. And I think Joan Jett covered it. I don't know if Joan Jett covered it for the L word. But that's also, like, part of my theory. And I'm just, like, curious about when that happened. But I, I think Wikipedia thinks I'm, like... Um, losing my mind and making that up. It is very, like, the original kind of sounds like a little androgynous, too. Yeah, interesting. I did not know that that was a song for the lesbians. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's my theory about that song. We don't have to talk about it or think about it ever again. I put it out there into the world, and now it's a fact. That's the lesbian anthem. All right, cool. Everybody, cool. Crimson and Clover is a lesbian anthem. And you're welcome for that. Am I wrong? Okay, going back to Selby, am I wrong? Like, am I totally, like, wrong for thinking, like, this movie did not sell me on this fact that she was manipulated. I think that she was a driving force and, want and like, secretly, like, was glad that Eileen was killing people and taking their money. Or am I just cynical? I mean, I am, but, both, like, you know. Both. Because I did see her, and I think they got me with her innocence, and like everyone's saying, like, you're running away with a prostitute, and she's like, I love her, and all of the, like, the church, her church white family with the nice white picket fence and lawn are like, you're getting taken advantage of, and like, obviously, like, you can tell that there's kind of like that naivete in, with this character, like, sheltered woman who is trying to, like, access her sexual identity, and she finally can express it with somebody, yeah. And I think there's a, there's a there's a an air of manipulation, but the fact that I'm listening to you and like Selby didn't leave. Selby stayed and you know she did like the way that she got they got money and she did want Eileen to keep doing sex work and she was kind of a driving factor. You're you're right. And I think I definitely was gotten into the manipulation factor a little bit. Um, but what you're saying is also like super valid. And I hadn't thought about it that way. Cause like I saw Selby going from like wearing, she still was wearing baggy clothes, but she was like smoking cigarettes and drinking, like drinking, drinking weed, bitch. What? <laughs> smoking, <laughs> smoking cigarettes and drinking liquor in the car, wearing like a big black sweatshirt and a beanie. And it's like this, obvious physical transformation where she went from being that innocent girl to like a, a, a hooligan and yeah. hooligan whatever that fucking means <laughs> um so yeah <sighs> i don't know i don't have any answers axe i feel like part of why um in the end i don't feel like she was manipulated is because of the end where like she pretends okay. to not know about the money that Eileen is talking about, which kind of gives away the fact that mm, yeah. um, their call is being uh, monitored or whatever. Monitored. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when I said that, I thought of like when you like call like a company and they're like, this call is being monitored for quality <laughs> purposes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> um if she was totally manipulated like am i in expert opinion or non-expert opinion 
wouldn't she have just been like, and she made me take this money. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah, but instead right. she's like, no, I have no idea what money you could possibly be talking about. I think I- there was probably like a little bit of innocence at first, but like, I think sure. she got used to a certain lifestyle. So no, this mm-hmm. makes sense. This does make sense is the more we talk about it. Like, huh? Yeah. Shit. And again, I, I, I'm talking about the movie here. Yeah. Like, I know I said that I don't necessarily believe that Tyra was manipulated either, but I want to stress right now, I'm just talking about the movie. Well, and there's not really a lot of information known about the situation with Tyra. It's, you know, Tyra testified in court and she did testify against Eileen and confessed and got Eileen to confess, like to, you know, reveal some information. But there really is not much known about their relationship other than they met in a gay bar in Daytona Beach. So, you know, yeah. we, there's, there's no point in speculating because it's not, that's not it. Just the cell, the movie, the fictional character of Selby in the movie is this way, not Tyra Moore. And then, like, of course, Eileen, like, kind of makes a martyr of herself for love you know it's i think it ultimately comes down to two people who are kind of selfish and don't know what they're doing and need a lot of mental health help yes (laughs) like pretty much and they're both young we forget that yeah exactly like young people who are selfish and traumatized in the movie, I don't know if Tyra was traumatized as an as an adult, but like obviously Selby has her own trauma with her family. And it's like two traumatized people who like are just trying to look for love and attention. They found it in each other and they just became a destructive, like kind of infinity symbol over like they just the Ouroboros, like feeding into each other. Yeah. I wonder if it's at all pointed that the cover of the movie is not just Eileen. It also has Selby oh, on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It does have Selby on it. Huh. I wonder if that means anything. Like, am I supposed to think they're both the monster? Like, they're one monster? Well, it kind of connotes that they're, like, a, they're like buddies in crime. Yeah. Or partners in crime. Like, it feels like... Gal pals in crime, if you will. Yes. It's 10 p.m. on a weeknight, <laughs> and I've had no sleep. Boss bitches. Boss bitches. Yes, queen. Anyway, God, boss. Um, yeah. Lots now of we interesting are going to be canceled. And goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, having yeah. them both on there makes the narrative feel like it's... And it is about the two of them. Like, it's about their love and their relationship, or whatever love in this context means. It's about their relationship more than anything. I'm just thinking, like... There are parts in the movie. It's not like, um, it's not like Eileen in the movie hides that she's killing people for very long. Like there's a part where, um, they get in a car crash, which did actually happen in real life. Yeah. That's how she was caught. They get in a car crash. And Eileen is like, we need to run away right now. (laughs) And, uh, Selby is like, no. I'm gonna drive. That's pretty much exactly how she says it. <laughs> and I guess that's supposed to like garner sympathy from me, but and maybe for other people it did, but in me, I was like, oh hell no. Like not not you whining right now. I can't take it. And um but I the important part of this is that Eileen is like, I killed the guy for his car. Let's go. Like basically. Yeah. 
Like she and, was honest. She was yeah. honest. And like, then she was still like, stays. The only reason she wants to stop everything is because the lady whose lawn that they very rudely crashed their car on and <laughs> just left saw their faces and like gave sketches like to the FBI or whatever. Yeah. That's the only reason. Well, and she didn't want to go to j- she didn't want to go to jail. Yeah, she didn't want to go to jail. That's I the mean, only reason they yeah. stopped. And she like gave up. Yep. Well, and like yeah, because Eileen made herself like a martyr. Like I will confess to everything to keep Tyra slash Selby. As happened with Tyra too, like from getting convicted. Yeah. For being like I don't know if she was going to be accused of murder or just like being accessory. a accessory. Maybe I don't. I don't know if she would. If she. I don't know. I don't know the law. I guess if she knowingly accepts like the stolen stuff. It turns out I'm not a lawyer. But you work with lawyers. Doesn't that make you a lawyer? <laughs> In my brain, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally, yes. Yeah. Well, I guess real quick, I just want to say like how sad of a scene that is when she knows that their call is being like recorded by yeah. the FBI and you can see it in her face. She's recognizing that it's it's being recorded and she's a, she's confessing anyway to keep yeah. Selby safe. That's so sad. Another yeah. moment where you're like, damn, I do feel a little bit sad for her in this moment, in this single moment. And I'm not like the part where Bruce Dern, <laughs> who is in this movie and we didn't even talk about. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was in the movie. <laughs> he, yeah, he plays like her only friend in the whole world. The only guy who doesn't want like anything from her. He tries to save her because he knows that the bar is like full of bounty hunters. Kane Hodder is one of them. Yes. <laughs> the fuck? I know. I was like, Kane Hodder? <laughs> Just play um, the bounty hunter. It's fine. Bruce Dern's character like knows um, that they're in the bar and he's trying so hard to get her to leave the bar, but she she's really drunk and she wants yeah. to stay so that she's near a phone because it's the fucking 90s or I guess 89. I, it doesn't say the years. Um, but she wants to stay near her phone so that she can talk to Selby and he's trying to get her to escape. And I know we're in real life. We're like, no, she can't escape because she's like a serial killer and she needs to like go to jail or whatever. But in the movie, you're like, no, <laughs> please go over the fence. Like he's saying, cause now you're going to get caught. Like, you know? Yeah. 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 That's a sad moment. And it's really sad. It's double sad because she thinks that he's like trying to get her to like have sex with him or something. Yeah. And he's not. He's just being like her only father figure ever. You know? Yeah. Only the only like positive male interaction she's ever had. Because yeah. be- there's even a part at the beginning when she's at her um... storage unit. Thank you. Storage unit. He walks over and gives her a sandwich and some beer. And she's like, I'll blow you. And he goes, no. You'll pay me when you get it. Yeah. Like, just a nice guy who's like, yeah, this this woman is down on her luck. And, you know, she could use a kind person who is just giving her things without any other intentions or ulterior motives. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't trust it, which is like, it sucks that you have to live your life and not trust people like that. Like, she was, why would she trust someone like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really sad. I wonder if... Um, uh, who cares? <laughs> uh, I was just saying, I wonder if he's playing, like, in real life, I think she married, like, an older guy for a minute. 
like literally a minute. It was oh, like a few weeks. Oh, she did, and he was a really bad person. Yeah, but at first, I don't think he like was a bad person, or like I, I don't even know if he was a bad person. I, I read like bef- this is years ago because I very inappropriately like collected serial killer books when I was like a child. Hmm. Um, <laughs> let that happen. <laughs> I had no supervision. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I feel like I remember seeing that like she she beat him maybe. Oh. I- I can't, I can't remember. remember. I do know I that it remember. was explosive. Their relationship, at least, was like yeah. not healthy. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember, and I'm not googling it. Um, but yeah, uh, I wonder if that's like who he's like supposed to be in this fictionalized version of her life. Well, she he does say it one like she says I made a friend, and he said that last friend you made wasn't very good. So I thought that that might be an allusion to it, maybe. They don't anyway. give a lot of like context to who she like context to her life, like her past, really. So it's hard to, yeah, know. I think before we go, we should probably talk about scenes where we think she's completely wrong and a, and a monster because we've spent this whole time being like, no, she didn't mean it. Well, I mean, she 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 kept killing guys, and yeah, she kept killing that guys last for money. Guy, yeah, that was very brutal like emotionally brutal well and it's just like she kept getting more and more brutal with her killings and like even the second murder you think about and she like was she just gets colder she gets colder and colder she detaches more and she is more motivated by getting money and it's just like for like you can see why she's doing it but then it keeps going and you're like "Mm, no no like this is becoming this isn't self-defense anymore this is you needing money and killing men for it and trying to find, you know, you right. think this is the only way to get money, but it's not, but like, you're just, yeah, you're, you're, you basically are on a, the extreme end of the spectrum and, and want to keep doing it. Like she kept doing it. So it, to me, I got the vibe that like, you know, there was part of her that wanted to do it. Yeah. She's yeah, getting she money, but she's like, you know, she's getting money, but you can also see it as revenge. Yeah. And it's like, also she, there's only like two times where she's going to let them go. The one guy she lets go because he's never been with a sex worker before or any, yeah. or possibly anyone. Um, she does let him go as far as we know in the movie. Yeah. She just gives him a really sad hand job. Very sad. The saddest. Sad Almost sadder than the, um, actually probably a bit sadder than in the piano teacher. Oof. Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. It all comes together. It all comes um, back. But she... Oh, that just made me think of Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me. But yeah, I mean, like, in... I think that overall, I think Warnus was a serial killer. And serial and killers... And not on her side now. And I'm not on her side. I just think that there's context to be had that gives you more information about her like the situation and you know shows that me like why she wanted to kill med and like you know you talk about this with like ed gein and his crazy ass mom and i don't think he's cool but like you get you know you get the context that his mom was fucking nuts and like treated him like shit and that was a big part of the reason why he skinned people so like yeah or like richard ramirez he had a very fucking terrible life too exactly it it is interesting and i wonder if our um 
gender has anything to do with it. Not that I want to even touch that, but, um, but you know, like our lived experiences, like we, it's easier for us to see, um, from her perspective, like how vicious men can be. Exactly. And also just in doing like, in knowing a little bit about female serial killers and by no means my expert, but like, you know, some other female serial killers in the U like from U S history, a lot of the time it is like, like black widow, black widows are serial killer, women, serial killers who are known for killing husbands for like insurance money. So like it's when a woman is committing like a serial killer, there's more of a, like a, a goal behind it like a financial goal or some other goal and or like a revenge thing but then i feel like with a lot of male serial killers it's much more like sexual release more wrapped mm-hmm. up in like a lot of trauma and things that come out right. of that that does that make sense to me yeah well and it's just else. like it's interesting just to see like that kind of dichotomy in male and female serial killers from what i have listened to and read like i am not an expert i just like listening to true crime podcasts and reading fucked up shit on the internet so i just think it's fascinating that a lot of the time female serial killers very different motivations and very different kind of purposes they're still serial killers it's just very different from the things you see with like Dahmer and gacy and bundy and ramirez and chase and like the you know the heavy hitters Gein, right? Gein just wanted to wear a nipple belt. <laughs> That's all he wanted. <laughs> no, I get I what see, you mean. I, totally. I, I oftentimes feel bad for Ed Gein. He was really sick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're not talking about Ed Gein. I was listening to a podcast about him recently, and I was like, that man was just like so sick, and he could have been. You know, there was probably if he lived in a family that wasn't absolutely fucking insane and religious, he probably could have gotten some kind of help. But here we are. Yeah. Well, and, and same but, like, with you know, like Eileen Warnos to some extent. It's well, yeah. that's a lot of serial killers. You're like, this could have probably been avoided, but yes. it wasn't. Like yeah. a lot of it is like if you get proper mental health care, you what is that can <laughs> like you can live a life like you will n- you can have mental illnesses and be normal. Well, whatever normal is. Look at me, I'm bipolar and I'm like okay ish. You only have three bodies in your basement. I don't have a basement. Damn. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. But yeah, I don't know. I just think serial killers are interesting, not because I'm like I love them, but like they're weird complicated things yeah 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 that's all i got that's all i got with that thought yeah no i see what you mean and um again you know just to reiterate we don't support any serial killers of any kind but i do understand what you mean by um not sympathizing (sighs) maybe i don't know if it's I don't think empathizing either. Just being able to see that perspective of like, yeah, I I have been um, someone who's been, you know, attacked or um, otherwise viciously mistreated by a man and didn't know if I would get out of it. So, like, I understand that motivation for killing i guess well and not like, that okay, i would do I w- it or support it so this is the thing like i love rape revenge movies and 
if this was a rape revenge movie that was completely fictional, I'd be like, get that motherfucker. And like, I was like that a little bit, but it seems so different because there's more realistic like connotations and like implications with this. Yeah. But like I said, movies that are fictional that are completely inside this fictional world with characters who do not exist and have not existed and they get that revenge, it's a contained safe space for me to process my own trauma through about sexual assault. And this again as again I said this, like this movie exists in a weird space with that, I think. Yeah. It's like a realistic it's like a realistic portrayal of what happens if you actually take revenge. You know what it's it honestly sounds like happened with both of us, and I would suspect probably many people who watch this movie is that we've for a second kept like being swayed by the narrative of oh she like not oh she's innocent but more like i understand and then we realize oh wait no this is real and she was wrong yeah exactly no it's true though but over and over exactly like i did feel sympathy for her watching this even though i was watching videos of him like and reading about it it's like you they it it makes you feel sympathy for her and like you know if that's what the movie was trying to do it is successful but also it feels a little bit irresponsible i'd ha- and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that eileen wernos was a woman i was just reading some like some things that people wrote about her and a lot of like women at uh, this one woman psychologist um her name is phyllis chesler who is a fucking weird ass person but she's a psychiatrist and she wrote a book about wernos but she wrote an introduction to this book of this collection of letters that Eileen Warnos wrote to her best friend, Don Phyllis, Dr. Phyllis, whatever the hell um, wrote an introduction and said things like Les- lesbian feminists march for you with banners that read free Eileen Warnos feminist supporters wrote you in droves. Um, she also wrote talk about women who run with wolves. You've navigated America with a primeval cunning, a scavenging genius without which neither wildlife nor prostitutes could survive. Not for a day, not for an hour. And you understood early on that the mutilated headless, even limbless female corpses litter the landscape all over the country and that they remain unclaimed and unmourned. It's a lot to unpack. And I don't even think I can unpack it. But I think, you know, I think that just gives, again, context to what a lot of women at the time, again, outside of this movie, but like in reality when it was happening, there was a movement where people and it's she was she was a victim of sexual assault. And that was a big part of it was like, you know, it was a claim of self-defense because she'd been sexually assaulted. So, you know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, she was just like getting her getting her revenge on these motherfuckers but then like you know the more you think about it you're like seven men that's a lot also like she she changed her story and she said she lied and i don't know what's true so i don't know yeah see i don't know about all that like yeah i don't know that i would see her as a feminist hero of any sort but I don't know. I don't have to decide right now. No, you sure fucking don't. And I just think, you know, another thing to leave y'all with in your brains, um, giving you a lot of things to think about. And I don't think there is like an easy answer or like a hundred percent right answer. I just think that's why I love this podcast. We could talk about these things and are just like, it's important to have these conversations and we're not, we're not going to come away with like some 
life-changing answer to why people are like this, but I think it'll help us understand them a little bit more, maybe. And there's going to be so many movies kind of like this. Um, Like I said, we're definitely going to talk about that one movie that shall not be named, uh, where we're going to have to, like, try to navigate our own feelings and, like... Yeah. It's... it Yeah. It... There's so much gray area, especially in like movies like this. And yeah. but everyone who listens to us on and comments on Twitter are amazing, and we love you. So I feel very supported by your support. Me too. And your very positive feedback, and you are like sympathizing with our experiences because it means a lot that we're not just like yelling our traumas into the void, but we're actually doing cool things while also getting personal, and it's speaking to a lot of people, and that makes me feel really good. So I hope that, you know, this episode and more continue to be that way. And if we fuck up, please let us know. Yeah, Um, but I feel pretty secure in that, like, I think people will understand what we mean, where it's like, we, the movie did its job, and we were manipulated. Like, I wish that the movie had made her more manipulative in the movie, so that we didn't even have this gray area. Yeah, but at the same time, that's the point. That's cinema, baby. Cinema. Yeah. But yeah, that's Monster. A disturbing movie because... Listen to the episode. (laughs) Because I don't know how to feel about a real-life serial killer. And it's a lot to watch. It really is a lot to watch. I forgot how fucking violent it was. It's fucking awful. I feel like it's like palatable to like a mainstream audience but they would be like repulsed by it if that makes sense it's not like a like it's not like a like irreversible or something like that like i think that you know a a quote-unquote normie person could watch monster and they'd just be like oh my god that was brutal it's not like oh my god i'm this is ruining my life forever disturbing definitely not like as brutal like you said as some of the things we'll watch but still it's like real world disturbing yeah emotionally manipulative yeah who knew who knew well thanks everyone for listening to this episode if of watch once here. never again if you're still here um <laughs> we appreciate you uh make sure to follow the podcast on twitter at wona podcast that is at w-o-n-a podcast and make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Daxy Bobbin. At D-A-X-E-B-A-B-E-N. That's my name. And all of this will be in the description of the podcast, too, if you'd like to see it. Um, leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Subscribe to the podcast. We love it. You've been lots of reviews are coming in, and we want more. So please keep doing it. It's it was my birthday last week, so do it for my birthday. Give me a late birthday present. Review, rate, and subscribe. Thanks. Happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye.